Welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. In this week's episode, you'll be hearing from Bishop Scotty Scott as he presents the message, First Love, Part 4. If I was to ask most people, what's the opposite of love? Most people would give you the answer, hate is the opposite of love. How many, how many ever grew up thinking hate was the opposite of love? Like you either love or you hate, right? You hate. I grew up in a household where we didn't even use the word hate. Anybody grew up with that old school? Like that hate was literally a four-letter word in my house. Like you didn't say you hated anything. Like it, you, you almost got in trouble for saying you hated the devil. Anybody grew up in that house? Just because hate was such a oh, thing you did not do. Because we grew up with an understanding that you have to love everybody. You might not like everybody, but you got to love everybody. And, and so there, there was this understanding that, in, so, I, so if growing up in that, you feel as though like, okay, hate must be like this opposite because hate comes from the devil and love comes from God. And so you had this idea like the opposite of love was hate and hate was this counteracting force to love. But the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Because fear is not based in hate. Hate is based in fear. That's why understanding is so significant because the answer for hate is not just love. The answer for hate is understanding. Because it's very difficult to hate what you understand. Most hate comes out of ignorance. It comes out of a lack of understanding. And because you have not taken the time to understand a thing, you hate a thing because you see the results of a thing, but you don't see the source of the thing. You see the symptom of the thing, and therefore you hate the thing because you don't understand the thing. That's why it's powerful when you hear stories come back from people who have been in war. Because war has a way of destroying hate. Because It's hard to hate somebody when you're in the same foxhole. (laughs) Is anybody hearing me right now? When you're in the same foxhole, hate no longer exists. Because now when bullets start flying, I may not have understood you, and you might not have understood me, and we thought we hated each other before we got in the same pit. But in this pit, 
the same people are shooting after me, are shooting after you, who I hated just became my brother. Anybody with me right now? <laughs> See, crisis has a way. Oh, Lord have mercy. Crisis has a way of, 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 of bringing things together that would have never gotten together because they were on, 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 had lines of misunderstanding. But all of a sudden, when crisis shows up, you no longer have the misunderstanding anymore because you understand the crisis that you have is the same. See, people say this, they say, People don't care about what you know until they know you care. It's because relationship is rooted in the word relate. That means until I can relate to you, I can't have a relationship with you. <laughs> because I have to be willing to relate in order to have a relationship. And I can't relate to you if I don't understand you. See, that's why there's two things that every person has in their life. Everybody. That ought to bring us commonality. The first one you have is pain. Pain visits everyone. Oof. If you've never had pain in your life, lift your hand. Because you don't have to live many days in this world before pain hits you. If you have family, you have pain. <laughs> Some of you in here are saying, you know my family. Because it's full of pains. <laughs> pains in my neck, pain in my pain in other places. <laughs> but everybody's had pain, but it's, pain is crazy. Because pain ought to be the very thing which we draw commonality to. Pain ought to be the thing that brings us together. The fight against the pains of our life ought to bring us unity because we ought to know that I don't care. Pain doesn't care about economics. Pain doesn't care about background. Pain doesn't care about race. Pain doesn't care about culture. Pain doesn't care about pedigree. Pain doesn't care about how many degrees you have. Pain doesn't care what side of the tracks you were born on. Pain visits everybody. I'm not talking about you stubbed your toe pain. I'm talking about the kind of pain that knocks the life out of you. I'm talking about the kind of pain where you get the phone call and collapse because it feels like everything in your life just collapsed pain. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Keep living. Because sooner or later, you'll know that pain. That pain 
that's so deep and so private, you don't think any, you can share with anybody. But that's why the Bible says there is nothing taken you that is not common to man. See, the, here's where the enemy uses pain to do the opposite of what it should. Pain ought to bring us closer, but the crazy thing about pain is that it causes us to isolate ourselves from. It causes us to begin to walk in this place where instead of going to somebody, because I understand you've suffered, even though you may not have suffered what I've suffered, you suffered something in your life. And that suffering ought to draw me to you because I ought to be able to know that I'm going through something, you've gone through something, because we all go through something, and we need to be able to have commonality in the pain. But pain, you can have somebody. It's crazy. You can... You can, have, you can be in a room full of people who have gone through the same tragedies, the same things. You can be in the middle of a self, a, a, a help group for your pain, for your specific pain. They have dealt with the same pain, the same issues, the same circumstance. They'll get up and give their testimony that they know your pain and you'll stand up and say I understand your pain but isn't it crazy that you can walk in that group, be in that group have your Facebook group have everybody have the same situation and still you feel like nobody understands your pain. Because the enemy wants to use your broken heart in order to cause you to resist what should heal you. Because pain produces protection. Pain get you in a self-preservation mode where now I'm never going to let something close enough again to hurt me like that did. And so now you begin to build walls of isolation and insulation and you put little mechanisms in your personality <laughs> where you just become angry where you just become hard, where you just become calloused, where you just numb yourself because you get to the place where I'm not going to let myself anything in enough to, because you were exposed to something that broke your heart. And the reason... The enemy wants to use that pain to isolate you. And how he isolates you in pain is in a cloak and attack of the greatest opposite of love. See, there's some, somebody around you that it sounds like anger and hate coming out of them. But it's not anger and hate. There's somebody who, around you, you have this callousness and hardness you see on them, and you see them, you see them with this jadedness and this 
standoffness and this coldness about them. It's not coldness. It's not jadedness. It's, it's fear. Because the opposite of love, see, that's the second thing every person has. The first thing someone has is pain in your life. But the second thing that every person has is the need and the desire to be loved and to love. Not just, not just to receive love, but everyone in this room, everyone in existence has the desire and the need to give The problem is you can't give love until you allow yourself to receive love. And the thing that hinders you from receiving love is fear. And the enemy wants you to be afraid of the very antidote for your poison. The Beatles used to sing a song, all we need is love. And it's true, but it's deeper than they sang it. Because all we need is God. But when you find God, you find that God is love. God is love, but God is the purest form of love. It's not the conditional love we've come to know. It is a love that is perfect. It is a love that cannot fail. It is a love that never ends. It's a love that can't be denied. It can be resisted. It can be walked away from, but you can't stop it. <laughs> to the point where Paul said, what can separate me from the love of God? Not height, not depth, not things above, not beneath. Nothing can separate you from his love. And yet, if nothing can separate you from his love, have you ever had those moments where you felt like it there's no way he could love you. Have you ever had the moments in your life where you felt totally unloved and unlovable? But in those moments, he was still loving you. His love never changed, but how you saw his love changed. Why are you saying all this? Is because... Today, God was dealing with me as I was praying and, and seeking God's face all this week. He was just dealing with me stronger than ever. That the greatest poison of this world is fear. The greatest tool of the enemy. Everything in the enemy that comes into your life is rooted and based in fear. Pride is fear. The only way you get pride is when you're afraid you're not enough. 
When you're afraid you're not enough, you have to be, produce pride to prove you are enough. <laughs> and so now the fear of not enough, the fear of insufficiency, the fear of not, of not being enough now produces the pride in you and you have to prove and you have to be... You have to be arrogant and you have to show off and you have to be and you have to display. You have to be big enough and strong enough and great enough and you have to be. And it's really fear. And, and God just said to ask somebody in this room and I'm not really preaching, I told you. What are you afraid of? Be afraid of because where the enemy manipulates you is in what you're afraid of because dead men don't fear because dead men have nothing to lose that's why Jesus told the husbands in Ephesians, he said, if you're going to love your wife, you've got to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What? That means if you're going to be the husband you need to be, there's a you that's got to die. Because as long as there's a you that's still alive in you, the enemy is going to use that you in order to not love her. Because you've got to be in a place of such release of yourself that now you'll give everything of yourself for her like he did for you. Hmm. Why are you saying this? Is because he comes in this text and he says, he that is afraid doesn't love. Because fear only comes from selfish love is the epitome of selfless. That's why he said there is no greater love than a man lay down his life for a friend because the epitome and height of love is when you lose yourself. Because it's impossible to love and not and to not be vulnerable. If they can't hurt you, you don't love them. If it wouldn't bother you, and as being in the place where you love without fear. 
Because fear is the opposite of love. And God said that, ask somebody, what are you afraid of? Because whatever you're afraid of is what the enemy is using right now in your life to torment you. Because fear has torment. Whatever is keeping you awake at night is the thing the enemy is using and at the root of it is a fear. See, see, why, why this now is because we've never had so much anxiety medication. We've never had so much depression. And is anybody, is this okay? I'm going to be real today. You with me right now? This is the reason why we got people praising the Lord and popping Xanax on the way home. This is the reason we got people in the middle of worship and we're still, we're still having to take a pill in order to, in order to just numb something out of us because, because, because there's something that's so anxious. There's something that's so stressful. There's something that so got us wrapped up in 15 million knots on the inside because something has us at a place where we're so afraid. We're so afraid. We're so afraid. And that fear comes out as the anger. That fear comes out as the misunderstanding. That fear comes out as the jealousy. That fear comes out as the rage. That fear comes out as the depression. That fear comes out in that loneliness that fear comes out of that out is that despair that fear ultimately comes out of that as that suicide where I'm so afraid I want to end it because I'm afraid there's not any end to it <laughs> people don't commit suicide out of depression. People commit suicide out of fear that produced the depression. That's why anxiety and depression go hand in hand. Because where you're afraid, you're depressed. Oh, Lord, this is so good right now. For somebody in this room right now, for somebody on this screen right now, because God wants to break that spirit. Oh, my goodness. There's one spirit the enemy's loosed over all of humanity. It's the first spirit that he loosed in the garden. The first spirit he loosed in the garden was not the spirit of rebellion. The first spirit that he loosed in the garden was the spirit of fear. The fear produced the rebellion because he looked at her and he said, "Did what did God say? See, when you don't know what God says about you, when you're not secure in how much God loves you and the unconditional of what he thinks about you, then the enemy can begin to make suggestions to you. See, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. But when you don't know the truth, it doesn't matter if it's true. See, some people said the truth will set you free. No, 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 no. The Bible says the truth you know will set you free. Because it can't free you if you don't know it. 
And the truth you know sets you free. Why? What does it set you free from? It sets you free from the deception of the enemy. Why? It's because he brings confusion. Confusion is the shroud that the enemy brings deception through. He can't deceive you where you're not confused. That's why he sends what ifs, what up, what about. That's why he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why? Is because he doesn't live off his bite. He lives off his roar. Why? It's because he lives off the intimidation and the anxiety of you that in order for you, he knows he can't devour you. He's just gonna threaten you until you devour yourself. You'll eat yourself up. You'll destroy yourself by fear of what he roars in your life. It's his mouth. It's what he suggests. It's his voice. It's what he speaks. It's the voice of fear in your life that is destroying your life. Wherever there is fear, there is destruction in your life because there is anxiety and you protecting yourself from what you're afraid of is the thing that is causing the counteracting in your life for you to self-destruct your life out of fear that caused you to protect your life and your protection is killing you. Whew. The first spirit he loosed in the earth is the fear. Fear about God. Insecurity. He speaks into the woman and he says, what did God say? And because she's not solid in what God has spoken in and over her life, the enemy says, well, he didn't say. Let me tell you why he said not to eat the tree. And he starts speaking insecurity into her relationship with God. God himself. And he says the only reason he doesn't want you to eat of that tree of knowledge is because he knows the moment you eat that tree, your eyes will be open and you will be as God. Watch how the enemy works. They were already as God. They were made in the image and likeness of God. Everything God was was in them because they came out of God and they were in divine communion with him. Oh, is anybody with me right now? See, the enemy will try to get you be afraid that you're not what you already are. And he'll try to convince you that God ain't going to let you be. You're not enough to be what you think you're going to be or something's been withheld from you and you're not able to be it when you are it. When he came to Jesus in the wilderness out of the, out of the Jordan, he comes to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Three times he comes, what does he say? If you be... If you be, if you be, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, turn the stone into bread. If you be the son of God, throw yourself off this pinnacle. If you be the son of God, then what? And every time he said, the word of God says, is, is anybody hearing me right now? Why is because I know what God's word has said about me. Therefore, I don't have to think and take your suggestions and the fear that I'm not who he said I would be. Look at your neighbor say, 
You be who you are supposed to be. You be who you, look, look at them and say, you already are. You look at them and you say, you already are. You already are. Everything the enemy has been trying to make you afraid you're not, you already are. Let me tell you, in fact, every time the enemies come with a voice to tell you what you're not, it's because he's scared to death that you'll know who you really are. Because if you don't, whoa, 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 whoa. If you walk in the security of I know who God says I am, then nobody and nothing can take away who you are. You won't have to be arrogant. You won't have to be proud. You won't have to be angry. You won't have to be bitter. You can sit and rest in the security that nothing can stop me from being who God says I am. I am who God says I am. Touch your neighbor and say, you be absolutely awesome at you. Nobody will beat you at you. When you really find out who you are, if you found out how bad you really are, if you found out what you walk in, who you walk in, what you're carrying, ain't no fear, ain't no anxiety, ain't no depression. How can you be depressed? How can you be depressed when God looks at you and handpicks you? He said, I chose you before the foundation of the world. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. He made you just like you are. Just be it. Oh, I feel the glory. Stand with me. I'm done. Oh, I feel something. He loosened the garden of spirit. Ain't it amazing? Our downfall came. Our downfall came not from the curse of an enemy. but from the fear and insecurity of humanity. And to the point where she takes the bait. The bait of fear. I don't know what voices have tried to fade your fear because the enemy has a way of letting you go through things and then live life in fear of things. And he'll always bring everything he needs to bring into your life to reinforce the fear you already have until he will Keep showing you what you were on alert to see. If you want to see bad, he'll show you all the bad you want to see. Because he knows if he just brings bad by your way, you're on a big alert for bad. And he'll show you everything he needs for you to keep building your walls. For you to keep 
enclosing yourself and isolating yourself. He'll show you everything you need. Just throw your hands in the air and just cave under the cloud of heaviness and depression, self-destruction. Because you can't trust anything. But perfect love cast out fear. Hmm. See, whenever you hear this preached, many times they're, they're talking about God's love towards you. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about how you love one another. For he that loveth God. He said, now the, the love he has towards us, we now have towards the world. Perfect love cast out. He said, every disease and problem and issue in the world is rooted in fear. And the only answer for it is what you carry in your heart is the love of God in you. But not just the love of God in you. Your perfect love for them. See, we're so big now at preaching imperfection. We love the fact that we can take commonality in the fact that none of us are perfect. And we hate anything said that word that tries to portray itself like it might be perfect. We shoot down anybody who's aiming towards perfection because we want to prove that they're not perfect because nobody's perfect. To the point where it even shows up in your relationship. Where you begin to try to shoot holes through people's love. Because you don't believe they could love you that perfectly. And you don't believe anymore in perfect love. Because all you've known is the condition. But when he says perfect love drives out fear, he's not talking about God's love just towards you. He's saying it's possible for you to love perfectly. He's not saying you're perfect, but your love can be perfect. Without any self in it. Ooh. See, the moment I say that is the moment flags go up in people. Because, yes, but the Lord don't, don't want us to be abused. And the Lord don't want to be taken advantage of. And we immediately 
put the guard up. Because we've seen or experienced people taking advantage out of the purity of our love to the point where now we don't love that way anymore. But he loved you like that when you didn't love him back. He loved you like that and didn't put the conditions of you getting it together to love you like that. While you were yet in sin, while you were an enemy of the cross, he died on it for you. Because the only thing that's going to lift the depression is when you let yourself love again. Ooh, I feel this in my spirit. I feel this so strong in my... I, wow. Wow. I know this message is different. It's different for me. But I feel it so in this room because there's people in this room that are filled with anxiety, stress, pressure, you're walking day after day and you, you, go to, you wake up more tired than you are when you went to bed. You wake up in the morning and you've had sleep but no rest because the anxieties keep running when you are even unconscious. And you're de dealing with the turmoil surrounding you until you can't even dream right. You can't even think right. You can't sleep right. You got to take a pill to go to bed, a pill to get up, a pill to live, a pill to function, a pill to be okay. And I'm not anti-medication. Listen to me. God makes heaven and the earth. And his answers come from both. But there's some things that earth can't answer that only God can heal. your hands all over this room. I'm, it's so deep in this place. I'm talking to somebody in here. Jesus, the first thing he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. And the first ones he says that he is to come after is to heal the broken hearted what broke your heart what disappointed you so bad that you don't have hope anymore for anything again you don't even believe for that anymore in your life You'll take so much farther less than what you had because you feel like your ability to have that got broke when your heart did. But let me tell you, no matter what broke your heart, he is the broken heart healer. He will put your heart back together again. His love can heal where their love failed. Where they left disappointment, he will restore it and give you the ability to lose the fear of what hurts you.
Lift your hands all over this room right now, right now, all over this place. I feel the presence of God. We were in Revelation there where he he was speaking to the church in Ephesus. Was telling them all they do, they endure this, they go through this, they've suffered in my name, they've endured all kinds of things, they've stood for standards and righteousness, they have all of this standard and they have all of this right and they do all these works and they do all of this and they've endured, suffered and all of that. See, because you can do a whole bunch and still not be healed. Because sometimes we do to cover for where we're not healed. And he said, you do all this and you endured all this and you've suffered these things in my name and you've, I've seen what you've done, but I still have something. I need you to return to your first love. I don't need you to keep doing what you're doing. Not that I don't want you to keep doing what you're doing, but I need you before you do another thing to come back to why you do it. So that you don't do it to prove a thing. So that you don't do it to show you got a thing that you feel like you don't. To be enough, to listen, to feel, a th- to have I need you to feel, I need you to receive. Come back to this place where you being who you are is enough to be loved. Hands raised all over this room. Lord, I thank you today. going to heal somebody today. Oh, he's going to heal somebody today. You can cut it off. Ty, lift your hands. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you would like to stay connected with Limitless Church, please check us out on all social media platforms at LimitlessCHR. We'll see you next time.